0: So this morning, I want to continue on what I started last Sunday morning concerning transformational thinking. It's a a work that God is doing, desires to do in and through our lives on a daily basis. It's not something that it's it's not just a mental exercise, but it's really something that we want to continue to lean in on and receive the Holy Spirit, wisdom, guidance, and direction concerning transformational thinking. Because again, it needs to be a work to be truly transformational for thinking that truly transforms our lives. It it needs to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in scripture in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we're told not to copy the behavior and the customs not to copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but to allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So how many people would agree with me that it's a, it's a daily work, no matter how long we're walking with God, we, con- we continually have to be yielding ourselves over to God. There's so many different areas that we have to uh, have our thinking to be changed so that our lives can be transformed. And even when we think, okay, I'm mature now, I've been walking with God for for a number of years, I received the Holy Spirit and, and I, I know all the Bible verses concerning thinking what to think on. I know Philippians tells us in 4.8 tells us to think on those things that are lovely and pure and good report. And I know all those verses, I can memorize those. But you know what? Knowing the different scriptures and even having them memorized does not equip you to automatically be thinking the way God would have you think. I know Philippians 4.8 tells me to think on things that are good, pure, lovely and praiseworthy, but sometimes I catch myself thinking or the Holy Spirit prompts me and say, hey, you're not thinking good, lovely, praiseworthy, good report right now. You're thinking judgmental thoughts. You're thinking right now stinks. You have a bad attitude. Come on, we just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. So can we just be honest and let him lead us, guide us and direct us and to prompt us when our thinking is out of line with the word of God. And, but being in a place, coming to a place where we really want to surrender our lives to God and really make a commitment to not have the behavior and the customs of this world, but to really allow God to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. Changing the way we think. So there's a pattern and a way that God would have us to think. It's not just the way I think. It's not the way you think, but the way God would have us to think. And so we're going to continue to dive into the scriptures and and just really allow the Word of God to bring about that transformation. Because like I mentioned last week, you know, to go through this process, it really requires a commitment to the work of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, to, to come in and to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. And it really Uh, it's dependent upon us really developing our listening skills, learning to listen to Christ's wisdom moment by moment, moment by moment in every situation that we're in rather than relying on our own thoughts and on our own experiences and not just going with the flow, not just going with the behavior and the customs of this world. In Matthew chapter uh, uh, 22 and verse 37, where we have the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And again, this, this really calls us into a place, into a, an adventure to explore and to engage the thinking capacities God has given us. When God originally created humanity, Adam and Eve in the garden, God's original plan was that we would have brilliant thinking capacities that we would have sharp minds, we'd have the mind of Christ, be brilliant thinkers, be creative, just as God is creative. That is God's intention for us. That thinking capacity was distorted when Adam and Eve transgressed in the Garden of Eden and uh, were separated from God, and and then the thinking capacities were distorted. However, humanity, we still have the ability to think great things. Uh, Science has brought us great progress in the, you know, uh, sharp minds have brought us great progress in, in, in the sciences and in the, in the health and in, in the, in the finances. There, there's, you know, collectively, there's, there's a lot of wisdom on the earth today, collectively as the body of Christ, and even collectively from people that are, have not yet surrendered to God, but it's only a distorted fraction what we experience today in, in modern technologies and breakthroughs in medical science and all the other types of sciences is only a fraction of what God originally intended for humanity to be brilliant thinkers. What happened is man is still has the ability to think and create and to invent and, and to come up with, with, with new adventures and so forth, a n- nuclear, nuclear physicists, you know, have nuclear energy and all the other things they do with nuclear uh, powers and resources. But on the same hand, we can use nuclear as a, as a very deadly weapon. So thinking has become distorted, still able to think and be creative, but it's distorted compared to how God originally intended us to be thinking. So that's what we're talking about, becoming a thinker, a brilliant thinker. And to have creative ideas, creative breakthroughs, and however God is leading, guiding, and directing, and it would be used to promote and to build God's kingdom here on the earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Everyone say, on earth your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it really requires us to to step up our game and submit ourselves and to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and to become the thinkers that God originally has created us to be and to become. So in Ephesians chapter 4, I want to invite you to turn there this morning. I want to share Paul's instructions to the to the Gentile believers at Ephesus, after they received Christ as their Lord and Savior, it very much parallels his instructions to the Jewish converts in the Book of Romans. Uh, as far as now that you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's there's a new path, there's a new way to be thinking, uh, you know, to changing which results in changing our behavior. But in Ephesians chapter four, at verse beginning at verse 17. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Now, be honest with you. Is it okay if I'm honest with you this morning? I could read verses like that and thinking, yeah, that's the ungodly people, the people that haven't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and, you know, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and they're hopelessly confused and just think that's them and this is us. But then I got involved in ministry, and God called me to become a pastor of a local church and working with people. And. And working with myself included and working with leaders and watching what's going on in the church around not only in the community here, but around the United States of America. And then being conscious of what's going on globally as far as the Christian community. And I'm thinking, who actually is hopelessly confused? (laughs) There's entirely too much confusion in the body of Christ that is here to represent heaven on earth. And in order to represent heaven on earth to the best of our ability, we need to get beyond being hopelessly confused and and our minds being full of darkness and wandering far from the life God gives because because we closed our minds and we have hardened our hearts against him. I know he's talking here about Gentiles that are not born again. But here's what I want you to understand. Receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior doesn't automatically take all the confusion out of your mind. It doesn't automatically take the dark thinking out of your mind. The way of how you think and how you process things doesn't change when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your spirit man became born again, but your mind, your will, your intellect, you know, that, that needs to uh, engage now in what's called a transformation, a metamorphosis. It needs to cease being what it was and to become something new. You all are very familiar with the caterpillar, with the butterfly, right? Begins out as a caterpillar. Well, before it, becomes, before it becomes a beautiful butterfly, it has to cease being a caterpillar. It has to stop crawling, bound to the earth. If it's ever gonna fly and become a beautiful butterfly, rather than being bound to the earth, it needs to cease being a caterpillar. And it needs, to, it needs to submit to a transformational process. That's why it weaves itself into a cocoon. And during that process of being in a cocoon, after a while, it, it, it's time for it to break out as a new creation, something new. Doesn't even represent what it was. Before, it was just a caterpillar bound to the earth. Now, it's a beautiful butterfly, brilliant colors, and it has the ability to flutter around and to fly and to migrate. You know, it's it's incredible. And that's similar to what we need to be going through after we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need to stop being hopelessly confused. Our minds need to be, uh, we need to stop relying our minds just to be full of darkness. And we need to stop wandering far away from the life of God and not to be closing our minds and hardening our hearts against him. Not to harden our hearts against him. It's, 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 uh, it's, Something that happens in our life when things are not going our way or we think God didn't come through for us the way we think he should have come through for us. God didn't show up the way we thought he, he would show up or perhaps he, he didn't uh, manifest the way that I was thinking that he would manifest and, and we can be immature about that and develop a hardness of heart and that doesn't bring us anywhere closer to, to uh, coming to where we desire to be. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here that uh, in, this, in this particular section of Scripture, as Paul's summarizing, uh, he, summons, he gives a summons to the believers to come to a place where they learn to discern and to deny and to find deliverance from those things that diminish the capacity for Christ to flow through them. We want to come to a place where we are able to discern, deny, and find deliverance Find deliverance from those things that diminish the capacity for Christ to be manifested in and through our lives. And he's calling on these Gentiles, he he, he calls them from those things that give ground to the adversary. All the things he listed about the darkness and the hardness of heart and the being hopelessly confused those are that's all gives uh, ground to the adversary so paul's not implying that they're doing evil simply because th- that they're not paul's not implying that they are evil simply because they do evil deeds the issue is deeper the issue is deeper than that Paul looks at the root issues, and he deals. The, and they, the root issues deal with the matters of the mind, the heart, and the soul, and one's openness to God. We want to come to a posture where our mind, our heart, and our soul are open, and repentive, and and open to the promptings and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we invite Him to come and fill us again, give us that fresh perspective, that fresh. Power and that, that, that fresh anointing upon our lives. And an unbeliever's posture against God includes the mind, the heart, and the soul. That rejects God's wisdom, and this is the essence of the uh, this is the essence of the Gentiles' thought patterns that lead to ungodly behavior. The ungodly behaviors are a result of uh, uh, mind, heart, and soul that reject God's wisdom. And such was the case with the with the Ephesian believers before knowing Christ. So Paul's talking to them here, and he's contrasting, He saying, this is what you were as Gentiles before receiving Christ. Now that you have received Christ, let's do it this way. Let's think about it from a different perspective. You were hopelessly confused. You were, your hearts were heartened. Your minds were closed, and you were, uh, and your hearts were heartened against him. You had no sense of shame, and so forth. But then in verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 4, he says, but this But that isn't what you learn. Okay, Christ has been introduced to you. You've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this is what you have learned about Christ. Therefore, do not allow confusion to rule and reign. Rather, go through this process with me. He said, But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt, corrupted by the lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, verse 23, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature to be created like God, truly righteous and holy. So Let's just walk through this for a, a few moments, verse 20 through 24. First of all, the Apostle Paul is reminding that now that you have received Christ, you're no longer to be hopelessly confused because you have learned about Christ. we say learned about Christ. So again, that's a, that's a reminder to us that it's important to submit ourselves to the teachings of the Word of God. To, to good teaching about Christ and Him crucified and resurrected, the work that Christ has done for us—that that, that we are fixing our minds on what has Jesus brought into our lives as a result of going to Calvary's cross, a result of taking the sin of the world on him, shedding his blood to, re- to cleanse us of all of our sin, having died, having been resurrected again, having been raised up and seated together with God in heavenly places, how is that to affect the way I think about my circumstance, about my situation, about the promises as a result of his resurrection power? how am i bringing that into my thinking the, the very present circumstance that I'm in, the very thing that's captivating my thought, the very issue, whether it be a health issue, a relationship issue, a financial issue, a governmental issue, whatever the issue may be that's just pressing and just just pressing in on our minds and just causing a confusion and darkness and almost a sense of alienation from the very life of God. I'm just not experiencing the life and the promises of God. Right in the midst of that, how, what You know, just hit a pause button if you need to and and come back to this and say, What have I learned about Christ? What's his opinion of me? How does he see it? And what he thinks of me is what I'm going to be thinking of me. How he sees it is how I want to be seeing it. And this is the mental exercises that we discipline ourselves to go through. And when we, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, this is the work and the ministry, the assignment of the Holy Spirit. He is here, the third person of the Godhead, living in you moment by moment every day. And he's here to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. He's the comforter. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So comforter, I draw on you right now. Lead this situation. Bring the wisdom of heaven to light in my mind. Direct me in the steps that I'm to take. And then you keep thinking on that. You keep thinking on that. What have I learned about Christ? He healed back then. He heals today. He touched the leper back then. He provided back then. He provides today. He protected back then. He protects today. That's what I need to think on. That's what I need to think on. Say, but Pastor Ray, time is of essence. I don't have time just to be sitting around and being a thinker. <laughs> well, where's not thinking on the things of God? Where's that, where's that gotten you? Think about that. So first of all, you have learned about Christ, the importance of being a, a learner, being, being a student of, Christ, of, of the Word of Christ, of, of the Word of God, and read the Gospels, become familiar with the life of Jesus Christ and what He has uh, accomplished for us. Then uh, verse 21 says, you have heard about Him. You've learned of Him, and you've also heard Him, heard about Him. Faith comes to us by hearing the word of God. So if you've heard about Jesus Christ, I shared with you last week how we are always, uh, we, we will always end up in our most predominant thoughts. Whatever we are most predominantly thinking on, that's where we're gonna end up at. And I shared with you how the, the, the woman in Mark chapter four that had, had a medical issue for 12 years and didn't get any better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she thought, To herself, if I can just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. I'll be healed. She thought to herself. Her most predominant thought was, if I, after hearing about Jesus, faith came into her heart, and she began to think, because she, she had faith, and she began to think, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. Her most predominant thought was, if I touch him, I'll be made whole. Her other thoughts that were coming against her, now this is, I'm, the scriptures aren't saying this, I'm saying this, I'm sure this is true, though. Her other thoughts that were racing through her mind was, you are not supposed to be here, the Leviticus law forbids you to be in public. And who do you think you are that you can think that you can press through this crowd and and touch the hem of his garment? What makes you think that touching the hem of his garment is going to work? Because after all these years, after 12 years of going to multiple different doctors, hoping that you could get results that you wanted, nothing has worked. Matter of fact, you've gotten worse, and this is probably going to be the same thing. You're going to reach out, you're going to touch the hem of his garment. You may very well get get yourself in some 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 serious Levitical law trouble. You may get yourself in trouble because you're not supposed to be here. All those thoughts are running around her mind thinking, oh, it may not work. It may not work. But her most predominant thought was because she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And she heard that he heals. She heard that he's a miracle worker. And that became her predominant thought. And that gave her the courage and the strength and the willpower to press through that crowd as a very weak, sick person and touch the hem of his garment. And the scriptures tell us that when she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus felt power flow out of his body into someone else. And he stopped and he said, who touched me? And I love that fact that Jesus did not know who it was He's not a discriminator. It makes no difference. Whenever your predominant thought is, is he's Jesus, he's the savior, he's the healer, he's the provider, he's the protector, I'm gonna reach out and I'm gonna touch him. That's what I think I'm gonna do. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, qualified or not qualified. If you heard about Jesus and he becomes your predominant thinking process, the promises of Jesus, the word of God, and you reach out, you will receive your miracle as well. So continue to hear About the word of the Lord says that you have heard about him. Verse 20 says you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth. And we say the truth. So they didn't just hear about Jesus, but they heard the truth that comes from him. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. We know that from scripture. He's, He's he introduced himself as the way, as the truth and the life. So the truth of the universe, the truth of the universe And the truth of the unseen world are embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Of all the things that we can engage in and and, and study, Christ is the first truth. I am not searching for truth. I have the truth. His name is Jesus and he lives in me. Now, does that mean I know all things? I'm omnipotent, you know, I, I, I can know, but the, I'm not looking for the truth. The truth abides in me. And from that posture of truth, from that posture of being born again as a child of the kingdom of God, I have the capacity now to draw on the truth that resides within me, and his name is Jesus. And as a result of, of uh, recognizing that the truth is in Jesus Christ and him crucified and him resurrected and him being raised up and seated at the right hand of God the Father, that uh, uh, that truth abides within me. From that, I can receive clarity and direction and instruction on how I am to think. And as I begin to think on those things that are good and pure and lovely and praiseworthy, and they become my most predominant thoughts, my most predominant thought is such a wretch as me. Christ, God loved me, and Christ gave himself for me. And as a result of that, I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. All my sin is forgiven. I am holy. I am blameless. And I am acceptable in his sight. Think on those things. When you begin to think on those things, I think on the reality of of the prophet Isaiah, how he prophesied about Jesus Christ some 700 years before he was even born, the miraculous birth. He said that he would be wounded for our transgressions, the chastisement of our peace would be placed upon him, and that by his stripes we were healed. Thinking on those things. Making those your most predominant thought processes and, and, and believe in that and, and align yourself and be drawn into that type of truth. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 6, just for a moment. I say, Turn with me. If you have your digital device, you just. Anyway, find Romans, chapter 6. As a result of knowing that the truth is within us. The, the Apostle Paul's encouraging these brand new Gentile converts, brand new into the faith. You know, everything was brand new for the early church. Everything was brand new. And so he's encouraging them now as a result of receiving Christ as your Savior, throw off Throw off the sinful nature, the former way of life and thinking, and allow the Holy, verse 23, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Invite the Holy Spirit into your thinking and put on your new nature. In Romans chapter 6, let me begin reading at verse 5. So since we have been united with him in his death we will also be raised to life as he was we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives make that part of your thinking process sin has lost its power in our lives we know that our old sinful Cells were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ we were set free from the power of sin and since we died with Christ we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, remember what the apostle Paul was saying you have learned, you have heard about Christ, you've learned about Christ. These are the things we need to be learning about Christ. This is a reality that because of his death, burial, and resurrection, sin has no power over you. <laughs> Keep thinking about it because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished, sin. And death has no more power over you. Think on those things that are good. That's a good thing. Think on those things that are lovely and praiseworthy. This is good stuff. You have the victory. You don't need to be tormented. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, verse 10, when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. That's all good news about Jesus, is it not? Can anybody say amen? That's good news. Amen. Now listen to this transition. Verse 11 is a transition about you. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. So you also. So you also should consider. Consider The word consider there speaks of a movement in the mind of a believer. I used to think this way. Now I'm gonna move over here and start thinking this way. How am I gonna think? That death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God, so I also should think that way. I'm going to begin to think myself to be dead to to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ so when sins temptation comes at me i can say no thank you I am dead to that. I'm not going to yield to it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to entertain it. I am free in Jesus' name. I consider myself to be above that, and I'm not going to be yielding to it in any way, shape, or form. I will be moving in the direction of my most dominant thoughts, and my most dominant thoughts are going to be about Christ and Him crucified, His love for me. And I'm going to do that, and I'm going to recognize that I can transition into a new... Into a new season of life. I can transition into, into a more fulfilled, contented, peaceful, graceful, loving individual. I can represent God's kingdom of heaven here on the earth with much greater accuracy. I'm not saying I'm never going to make any mistake, but I'm going to keep thinking and I'm going to keep pondering. And I'm going to always be open For movement in my mind, that is something I held dear for years. If I find out that it's not accurate, I am willing to move over to the truth. I am German. But I can move from here to over here. Amen? And Nathan, being Jewish, you can move from there over to here. (laughs) We can move. A conclusion, so many times we have our conclusions, you know, we think we know it all. A conclusion is nothing more than a time and place where you get tired of thinking. So let's keep thinking. God and his goodness, God and his mercy, God and his redeeming power and what that has done for us. I think on those things that are good and pure and praiseworthy. Amen? Consider, it's a movement of the mind. I like that, a movement. I can shift. I don't have to hold dear to that. Well, that's what my father said, what my grandfather said, my great-grandfather said. Well, if that's accurate, that's wonderful. But if it's not accurate and it's not biblical, then it's not wonderful. But it was my father and my grandfather and my, I know, but it's not the word of God. Shift, move. Amen. Are you ready to move? Go ahead and stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the mind of Christ. I thank you for the wisdom of God. And, Father, I again thank you for the power, the anointing, the person, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I I know we did this at the conclusion of our worship service. I'm just going to ask you just in a posture of receiving from God, just open up your hands to the Lord and say this with me. Say, thank you, Father, for the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ. Give me the courage the strength to make any movement shifts in my thinking that your Holy Spirit is prompting me. I yield to you, Father, to a new way of thinking. I invite your Holy Spirit to change my thinking and my attitude toward you. Thank you, Father. Fill me right now with love, grace, and wisdom. In Jesus' name, thank you for forgiving me of any and all sin. And if you haven't invited Jesus into your heart, if you've never done that, just do it right now. Say, thank you, Father. I invite Jesus into my life as my Savior. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. Amen, amen, amen.